excited about today's message. I believe it's very relevant for all of us. Uh, it'll be more relevant to some of you than others, and you'll understand as we're going through this. But uh, we're in a series called uh, just Unshakable in a Shaking World. And as we think about the shaking, uh, it, it's sort of multifaceted. Is that, I guess you could do, right? It, it gets applied in many different ways. Uh, many of our lives are being shaken right now. As they just do. Some of you as a family, as a couple, as an individual, you are experiencing something that is just shaking up your world. You have, you are, you probably will in the future. Uh, for all of us, though, this is very relevant because our world is shaking right now. There's so many things going on, and we, our world can't help but be shaken, whether it's financially whether it's your family, whether it's just the future, the economy, whatever it is, there's a lot of shaking going on. How are you doing, or what are you doing to set yourself up as being unshakable in the midst of all the shaking going on? That's what our series is about. What are some of those things we can do to make ourselves be able to stand firm, to be solid, and to say, you know what, I don't care what shaking is going on around me, in me, I'm going to remain unshakable. So we've been covering some of those things. And so today, one of the things that you will need to do if you are going to remain unshakable is that you have to have people in your life. You will never remain unshakable if you are on your own thinking, I got this. It requires other people. Sort of like in the Old Testament, there's a story in Exodus about Moses. Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt. They were going through the wilderness. Remember that 40 years they had to wander in the desert, the wilderness. And during that time, they had many enemies that tried to defeat them. A lot of battles were going on. And it was during one of those battles where Joshua was the general of the army and they were fighting against the Amalekites in this valley. And Moses was on, the, on a hillside overlooking the valley. And as Moses would lift up his hands, the Israelites would win. Joshua was winning, pushing the Amalekites back. But when his arms got tired, it was the opposite. The Israelites started losing, the Amalekites started winning. So he put his hands up, they put it down, and I don't think he did it for fun of it, but he just, you know, he, he got tired, and they saw him. So he, he had two guys that were with him all the time, Aaron and Hur, not H-E-R, but H-U-R, uh, were beside him. These two men were his right and left-hand men, literally in this situation. And so they decided, well, Moses, this keeping your hands up is too much for you. And so why don't you have a seat on this rock, and we'll stand on either side of you. You put your hands on our shoulder, and problem solved. Your hands stay up in the air. And they did. And they won the battle because he could keep his hands up. So when things begin to shake in your life, who do you have that can hold your hands up so that you can stand victorious in the, in the battle, in the shaking that's going on. I mean, you can, have, you can have the greatest conviction of the truth of the Bible in the world. 
You can have all the faith in the world. You can be a prayer warrior and you can do all the right things. But if you separate yourself from people for support and encouragement, you're going to find yourself on an island all by yourself and you're going to be very vulnerable to the attacks that come your way from every direction. I need people in my life. You do. They've got your six. They've got your back. People that will be there when you fall, they'll help you up. People that will hold you up. People that will encourage you. And sometimes even do the battle with you and for you. We've got to have those people. I mean, in normal life, just think about, well, there is no... Remember back when things were normal? Okay. Because <laughs> even in normal life, life can get very difficult, right? I mean, there are a lot of things go on and we're like, how do you deal with this? But we're way past that. We are way past the way things used to be. And we're in a time when things are shaking around us like crazy. How much more do we need people to hold our hands up and to help us along the way? And as much as people drive us crazy, and as much as people are frustrating and they hurt our feelings and they don't meet our expect, they disappoint us and there's conflict, all these different things, we still need them. I mean, life would be boring without people, right? And you're like, just give me a day. Just a day, right? But ultimately, we need people in our lives. So if you have your notes, the first uh, verses we're going to look at is, um, is a picture of what the early church, the, the, the believers, when, it, when, the first, when the church first sort of began meeting together, what it looked like. And here, here it is in Acts 2, 46 and 47. And it says this, uh, They, the believers, worshipped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and, and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I mean, think about I mean, this is a literal thing. This is not just a metaphor. <laughs> they literally spent a lot of time together each day. They met in the temple courts. The courtyard of the temple, they were there each day, it says. They met in their homes constantly, like daily. They ate together, they fellowshiped together, they, they experienced the apostles' teaching together, all these different things. And all of this was during a time when they were under the threat of, of arrest, of prison, being going to prison, and of even death. I mean, it was a time when, when both the Roman leaders and the Romans, especially soldiers, were threatened by this new movement called the Way. And these were the followers of Jesus who claimed up and down, Jesus is alive, we saw him. And they're like, no, he's not. He was in a tomb. What would you do with him? They go, no. Our Savior is alive, and we are worshiping Him, and we're spreading the word. And the religious leaders, 
No, you can't do that. That is a threat to our religion. And they said, sorry, we can't help it, we're going to. So they were constantly being harassed, arrested, beaten, imprisoned, and even we know from Paul, who used to be Saul, went around killing and arresting Christians because they claimed that Jesus Christ was alive. And so, but they knew, out of their desperation, they knew that a source of their strength was each other. That's why they were together constantly, encouraging and supporting and ministering to each other. But you know, in today's world, this whole idea of together, like doing life together, being together, needing each other, it's just this foreign concept. Because our world promotes the idea of, it's all about me. It's about my rights. It's about my privacy. It's about my life. And I can do this all by myself. And the problem is, we know the world says that, but so many people in the church, so many Christians have bought into that thought and saying, you know what, I don't need anybody else. I can do this all by myself. Me and God, we've got our thing going. I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. I read my Bible. I pray. That's all I need. I don't need anyone else. The problem is, that might work for a day. Might even work for tomorrow. But eventually, you're going to crash and burn. And then what do you got? You got you. And you're going to be really frustrated with you when that happens. Because I need the strength, and so do you, from being connected with other people that think like you, believe like you, and that are there to encourage you when you need help. If you're going to be unshakable in a shaking world, it requires other people in your life. Now, with each one of our um, messages, we have what, what I call a foundational conviction. A conviction is something you believe so strongly, you're not going to give it up. Matter of fact, you live by this belief. And here's today's. Write this in your notes. The foundational conviction for today is that we are stronger when we are together. We're stronger when we're together. And our memory verse for this week. Now, because I know that all of you have memorized last week's verse, we're not even going to bother to go over it. I know you're all going to get an A+. So we're just going to... Why are those snickering? Uh, we're just going to dive into uh, the, this coming week's memory verse. And it's this one because I know you're all going to memorize it for next week. And it's, matter of fact, it's, it's about three verses. Can you handle three verses? Some of you are going, I'm still working on Jesus wept. Give me a break. Okay. Ecclesiastes 4, uh, starting at verse 9. Matter of fact, let's read this together. You have it in your notes. It'll be up here on the screen. And it says this. Ready? Go. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, 
but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Is that true? Very true. So the question is this. When you fall down and when you are attacked, who do you have in your life who can reach out their hand and help you back up? Do you have that or those people in your life to do that? You know, oftentimes we don't realize the need that we have because we have never had to have other people. And one of the reasons is some of you are just really good at life. You're very resourceful. You're very smart. You have a lot of resources. And, and you don't ever sort of step out of the box. You don't ever do anything that would require you to need anybody else to help you. You're very safe. And you're going, I, I don't know. I'm pretty good. I, I can handle everything that I try to do in life. The problem is there's so many things going on in the world today that you aren't planning on happening in your life. Then will you still be okay? It's sort of like, we talk about this quite a bit, uh, trusting God. We, we may, probably most of us in here would say, yeah, I trust God. But when it really comes down to, you, to it, do you really trust him when nothing else is working? And you go, well, I've never had to. I've always done everything that I need to do. I've always been able to deal with life and, and all that on my own. So the, for some of us, we don't even know that we trust God really when it comes down to the, you know, in a real pinch because we've never put ourselves in a situation where we had to trust God. That if God didn't come through, it wouldn't work. <laughs> we would crash and burn. Same thing with people. You know, our, our tendency sometimes is, is to isolate ourselves and, and to, and, and, and put, we're like, I'm, I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay, I don't need anybody. But then when a difficult time comes along, something really tragic happens. We look around us and we go, where is everybody? Aren't there supposed to be people here to help me? And you're going to get really frustrated because you have been doing it all on your own without others. Now you're expecting everybody else to come to you when there's no relationship there. There's no connection. There's no trust that you have built and dealt, dealt with in your life. That's why a good time to begin developing a network of people in your life is like right now. Don't wait. Don't wait until a hard time comes along and look, try to scramble and find people. Right now is a time to do it before you get into the middle of the difficulty. It's good to become unshakable before the shaking happens. In other words, right? That's why we're doing this series, is to help us to, to be in a position, establish a position of unshakability because we know shaking's already beginning to happen around us. It's good to set ourselves up ahead of time for that. So, how do we do that? 
Okay, let's just jump right into the points, the rest of the message here this morning. And what are some ways that we can become unshakable together? Now, this is in the context of the church family, but it also applies to many other things in life. So we're going to uh, make it applicable to right here. And the first one is this. I start by just showing up. <laughs> I need to show up, first of all. You know, I need to be physically pre present with people. I have to be there. My body needs to be there. So does my attention. So does my, to my emotions. I need to mentally and emotionally be present with other people. I mean, with all, even with all of the social media and all the, all the online opportunities we have to connect with people, it, nothing replaces your presence. Nothing does. Hebrews 10.25 says it this way. I mean, this was written 2,000 years ago and how real it is for today yet. It says, you should not stay away from the church meetings, as some are doing, but you should meet together and encourage each other. Do this even more as you see the day coming. What day is that? The day that Jesus Christ returns. And we're, we're moving quickly toward that situation. Okay, How much more important is it for us to meet together? You know, I, I enjoy, um, I get emails and I get other publications from organizations like the Barna Group and other, other organizations that do a lot of research, especially when it comes to, to church issues and Christianity and faith. And this study came out even before, I mean, I, it's like the middle of 219, uh, before we even had the shutdowns and all this. And, and basically, it, it said that regular church attendance has gone from this point to this point. Now, the reason I didn't give you the answers is because there's, there's some of us, there's many of us here this morning where you grew up in a church environment that almost required, I mean, you just did it, that if the doors of the church were open, if there was a gathering at the church, you were there, right? Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, unless you had a really good reason, you were in church on a Sunday morning. And if you're really spiritual, you were there Sunday night. And, and Wednesday night, man, that really, you were awesome, okay? And, but that was just the norm. And if for some reason you didn't show up on one of those times, uh, you probably had somebody say, hey, what, you sick? You die? Whatever, what's going on? You, and that was just what you did. And so the study has shown that we live in a time, this was even before all the, the pandemic. <laughs> the average person, the average church attender, Christian, going from once you know, regular church attendance being once a week to being once every three weeks was now considered regular church attendance. If we don't show up, folks, how are we going to be the church? How are we really going to be what, and do what we're supposed to do so that the world can see our love for one another and know that we are disciples of Jesus Christ. 
And this is where we make gathering together a priority. Whether it's large group gatherings, whether it's being involved in a small group and you regularly get together with your small group, or maybe it's even just a network of Christian friends. Some of you have that. You're you're really, you got some good, close Christian friends and you hang out together all the time. That's your group. Whatever it is, we need that. Every one of us, we need that kind of a situation. It's important to be together because nothing can replace the power of personal presence, including yours. And we know that as time goes on, and we move closer to that day that the shaking is only going to increase. And the need for you to be connected with other people is only going to be more desperate and going to increase as well. And we, you know, it also tells us in Scripture that as we get closer to that day, there's many people going to fall away. Some, some translations use going to be abandon their faith walk away, fall away. Why would that be? Why would so many Christians, as times get really tough, leave their faith? I mean, we see it a lot. There's a lot of high-profile Christians and leaders over the last years have publicly denounced their faith. Ah, you know, it's, it's not real stuff. I forget this. I don't even believe in Jesus anymore. All this. You know, how can you do that? Many reasons. One of them might be that they've lost their conviction of the truth of the Bible. One of them is is that many people, and we see this a lot, is we feel uh, safer in life if we try to just fit in with the culture rather than the kingdom of God. It's less hassle if I just agree with everybody else. But the other one is when you're just by yourself. You've disconnected yourself from your lifeline, your relational lifeline of other people that are there to help you, to pick you up when you fall down, to help you remain unshakable in this shaking world. That's why the greater the shaking, the more important people are in your life. And we also know from God's promise Talked about God's promises last week and how they're always true. He always keeps his promise. One of those is that he's going to be with us. God promises to be close to you, especially in tough times. To be right there walking with you through the things you're going through. But did you know, for us, for many of us, you know, we, we anticipate and we pray and we look for, God, where are you? And we look for this supernatural, powerful, awesome, like almost a, uh, this out-of-body experience. Like, God is here. I feel God. And sometimes we do. But you know how mostly God is with you? Through someone else. Did you know that? How often have you prayed to God and you said, God, I am so desperate that you answer this prayer. I need encouragement. I need help. I need this resource. I need some whatever it is. And, and, and you pray and, you, and someone shows up at just the right time. 
to help you, to encourage you. They might have a word for you. They might have a shoulder to cry on. They might have provision that you need. And you say, God, thank you. Thank you for answering my prayer by being with me through the person that you sent to me. That's one of the powerful things about being together is that when we are together and we help each other, we encourage each other, we're experiencing God in and with each other that you will miss out on if you try to do everything all by yourself. And you know, if we make gathering together sort of an optional thing, if we're like, well, if... If I have nothing else going on, I'll, I'll go to church. You know, I just, you know, we, I'm having a really busy week. And, you know, I know our small group meets this night, but I just, I need a break. Whatever. You can do that. That's fine. By the way, I just want to warn you, you might get convicted this sermon. But anyways, um, just know this. The more you separate yourself from being with other people, the more vulnerable you're going to be when the shaking begins to happen. That's the way God set it up. Then number two, okay? Number one is you show up. Number two is you dive in, okay? You dive in, you begin to participate in the gathering. When you are gathered with other people, you now see the opportunity to not just observe but you begin moving from being a spectator to a participator you get involved and you you start you it's sort of like a you're on you're playing football or baseball and you you get off the bench and you get into the game and get involved in each other other people's lives and you intentionally now this is a i'll come back to this in just a moment this is where you intend excuse me my voice is changing. <laughs> you intentionally <laughs> develop relationships, real relationships with other people. I mean, you do it on purpose. You make the decision to do that. Now, as I was working through this and I was really, you know, finding all these verses that were encouraging and challenging is to this point how we get involved in each other's lives. Uh, there's too many. And so I put a, I put a little mashup together uh, of all the verse of some of the verses that I could find in the New Testament that talked about getting involved in each other's lives. So follow along, and I'm just going to read right through this. And uh, it says this: Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Bear one another's burdens, and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. While we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who are in the household of faith, the church. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, and forgiving one another. Then Jesus says, a new commandment I give you, you that you love one another. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you also are doing then it says, care for one another. Did you know that over 50 times in the New Testament alone, you will find the phrase in some sort of wording, one another, each other. 
And it's talking about the relationships of Christians with each other. It is a picture and a command of what church relationships look like. We are involved in one another's lives. One another. Doing things with and for and to one another. And when each one of us chooses to connect and to participate in the lives of other people, that's when we begin to experience this together. We're in this together. We're here to support each other. We're here, we're here to help each other stay unshakable as the shaking happens. Now, listen very carefully. This is an important part that I put in this, the message here today. This, intentional, this is an intentional decision for you to connect with other people and for you to dive in. It's an intentional decision that is, I may, it's on my part. Okay, It doesn't happen by accident. And I can't expect anyone else to do it for me. For you to be connected to the family, you need to do the work of connecting. I mean, even in the friendliest of environments, you can, you can be here, say we'd be the friendliest church in town. And the warmest and the most family-feeling church in town. You could attend. You might be here for years. And you might feel the warmth. You feel the friendliness. You see it. But until you get involved, you're just seeing it from the outside. And every Sunday, you might come to a service and go, Oh, I love going to that really warm, friendly environment. But then you leave going, I wish I had that. I wish I was a part of that family. It isn't going to happen automatically. It isn't going to happen. It's a decision you make. You don't get it through osmosis. Okay? It's not just going to rub off on you. It's a decision you make. And we have many, many, many churches in our community in Sarasota that are awesome churches. And the problem is there's many, many people in these churches, however big, however small they are, that feel very lonely, that feel all by themselves, that feel like I'm just not connecting. There might be many reasons, but one reason is they haven't done the work. <laughs> for you to connect, I just want to say for you to be here at Abundant Life Church, this could be a really awesome place for you but you're going to miss out on so much if you don't put in the work of connecting, of developing those relationships, of becoming a part of people's lives. Number three, the last one here. Okay, I, I show up, I dive in, and then I reach out. I need to reach out. I need to lend a hand. Now that I'm getting involved, what do I do? I lend a hand, I help other people, and I get involved in ministry. I serve them. This is when, and when you use your gifts and your talents, your abilities, 
to help other people. It benefits them, but it also benefits you. Some of you have experienced that, right? Whether it's serving like in a church setting or you serve in the community or just help your neighbor. Maybe you've taken a mission trip somewhere and you've gone to work and help other people and you come back from that experience and you go, man, yeah, I, I, I really helped them, but man, I feel like I'm the one that was really blessed. That happens all the time if you're serving. You actually get just as much if not more benefit when you serve others than the ones that you actually serve because God wired you that way he wired you to help others he wired you to serve he wired you to use your talents your gifts your abilities your availability just to help other people it doesn't have to be a big thing whether it's in the on campus here whether it's in the community whether it's in your neighborhood you just look for whatever opportunity you have to help other people and you do so besides yourself. But here's the thing. Not only do you need, to need other people in your life, here's the thing. I want you to think the other way. People need you. Did you realize that? You have so much to offer other people that when you don't, other people are going to miss out on the blessing that you don't give them by showing up, by helping them, by serving. Now, I'm going to say this as I, was, as I felt God bring this to my mind as I was putting this together. I, I, had, I really had to argue with God because, God, that's a pretty harsh statement. And he says, but it's true. So here's the deal. If you hold back from helping and serving and getting involved in other people's lives, it's actually a very selfish thing to do because you're putting yourself and your own interests above the interests of others, which is a verse we just read, right? Philippians chapter 2. We're to put others' interests above our own. But, but it's scary, I know. But I've never done that before. Yeah, probably should have, but here you are. Because just as people have spoken into your life, just, have, just as people have helped you, God is appointing you to help others. And if you don't, they're missing out on what God maybe wants to do in their life. I love this verse, these verses in Romans 12. Starting at verse 4, each one of us has a body with many parts, and these parts all have different uses. In the same way, we are many, but in Christ we are all one body. Each one is a part of that body, and each part belongs to all the other parts. We all have different gifts, each of which came because of the grace God gave us. Just like there's something very powerful happens when you show up and you get involved. There's something very, very powerful. There's just this powerful dynamic that happens when you actually begin to help and to serve other people. 
They experience it. You experience it. That's why here at Abundant Life Church, we love doing ministry on teams. We love teamwork. Because there's just something about not only just serving others, but serving others together that brings you together. There's this bond, there's this relationship, there's this trust that brings people together when we serve together. So I want to encourage you with that this morning. First of all, continue to show up. The fact that you're here today, you got point number one. You showed up. The next one is just dive in. Start getting involved in people's lives. Maybe get involved in a small group. Go to the next level. Just get to know somebody. Maybe, it's, maybe you come and, and to the services. You got number one. You're showing up. But you, you like to leave early because, you know, I just, I don't, you don't like talking to people or whatever. What if you hang out for an extra five minutes each week and just talk to one other person? Each week, just one other person. And then what if you start saying, you know what? I think I could do something here. I could help out in the kids' ministry. What, one Sunday a month? One month a year? Whatever the, whatever the schedule is, I could do that. I mean, I could, I could be a greeter, or I could bring snacks, or I, I could help usher, or I could... You be help with the youth ministry, the middle school, the high school. I could, oh, there's this, oh, so many things. Try it. Give it a shot. The whole church will benefit when you do that. Did you know that? We'll all benefit when you do what God has asked you to do. Then comes the question, well, what if... What if I do all this stuff? I mean, what, what, is, what keeps me from doing it? Okay, let's go to the next part of your, your notes there. What is hindering me or you or people? Them. Okay, none of us. We're good. What hinders other people from doing what we're talking about doing? Connecting with people, getting involved. Well, number one, write this in your notes, is the word pride. Okay, pride simply says, I, I don't need anyone else. I can do this all by myself. I don't need anyone else to tell me what to do. I don't need anyone to help me. I mean, after all, if I need help, it's a sign of weakness, and I'm not weak. No, it's a sign you're a human being, really. And you're just admitting you need other people. Or maybe you just don't want people to get involved in your life. You don't want people to see your business. You don't want people to see the behind the curtain of your life, right? So we keep it ourselves, but inside, we're dying. We're just literally dying because we need people. We need fellowship. The next one, number two, then, is because uh, we're self-centered. We definitely don't want to think we're that, right? But how does that manifest itself? Well, one of the ways is when you continually say, I'd love to, but I'm too busy ouch i know some of you are going to talk to me afterward now some of you are legitimately really really busy with some really good things and you're doing a great job but i want you to think about if that's an excuse you use every time an opportunity comes up what are you too busy with 
oftentimes, it's not maybe everything, but oftentimes some of the things that make us think we're too busy are things that are about me, my pursuits, my dreams, my hobbies, my this, my that, you know. And I know you're working, you have to earn a living, that's, that's good, keep doing that. But what if you took some of those things that were more about you and you traded it for things that were more about other people? How much more fulfilling would life be? And you'd actually have the time to do some of the things. You know, you, you've probably heard the statement, well, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you what? Busy, right? Why is that the case? It's the same result. You might be really, really busy. You have no extra time for anything else, for even your family. You're just so busy. But the end result's the same. You're ineffective in doing what God really wants you to do, whether it's bad or busy. So I want to encourage you. What are some of the things in your life that are consuming your time, your energy, your money that you could trade from you to someone else? to the kingdom in some way another one and third one is just apathy you get to the point where you just i don't care <laughs> i'm just sort of tired i'm wore out life is hard i've been hurt i've been burned i've been you go on down the list and i get it you get to the point where it's like i just don't have any energy to even do anything different i don't even have energy to care and so oftentimes that keeps us from doing the things that we really need to do in life. Another one, last one there is fear. Oftentimes fear is what keeps us from just connecting with people. Because <clears throat> maybe we're afraid of getting too close. Maybe we're afraid that that they'll get to know the real me. What do we fear? Well, sometimes we have the fear of rejection. What if I put myself out there? What if I say hi to somebody and they don't say hi back? Metaphorically anyways, right? What if, what if they don't like me? All these things. It, it is a risk, right? Depending on your personality, it's a greater risk than for, might be for others. Uh, how about the fear of the unknown? I just don't know what that would look like. I don't know what I would do. I don't know what I would say. I've never done this before. There's a lot of unknowns that come with it. We just don't know what or how that would look. How about the fear of failure? What if I do this? What if I put myself out there? What if I develop you know, a relationship a friendship, or I go to a small group, or I, I start getting involved in, in doing something and serving, and it doesn't work out. What if I fail? What if I crash and burn? And what if I make a real mess of things? And oh, you just go down the list, and you're fearing all these things that could go wrong. You ever do that? Some of our minds go there all the time, right? <laughs> Anything that comes up is like, what if, what if, what if, this way. How about the what if is the other way? What if it does work out? What if they do like me? What if I get excited about this? Which goes to the next one. Some of us have the fear of success. What if it does work? 
What, what, if, what if I get involved in this small group and it starts taking up a little more of my time? Every, every Wednesday night is taken up now. What, that's going to change my whole schedule. It's awesome, but I'm going to have to make some changes. What if, what if I start serving and, and, and I really, really like it? Or what if, I, what if I just start showing up on a regular basis, like every Sunday or at least two Sundays rather than every third Sunday? And what if it becomes a habit and I like it? It's going to mess everything up. I'm going to have to change a lot of things. <laughs> it's all good, though, right? But it's still change. Some of us don't like change even if it's good. So we fear all these things. 2 Timothy 1.7, last verse in your notes. An incredible verse. This is one you really should memorize. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. Fear and timidity. If you have that, it's not from God. Okay? But here's the spirit that God, here's what God gives us. He gives you power, love, and self-discipline. Those are what God can give you if you're open to it, if you ask him, if you claim it, if you move that direction. Real relationships, that's what we're talking about today, are messy. I mean, they are challenging, can be. They can be challenging. They can take a lot of time. They can take a lot of energy. They can might even cost you some money. But I tell you what, because of how important they are, they are well worth the risk and the investment that you put in them. Because without them, when the shaking happens, you will be shaken. You will be shaken. That's why you need people in your life. The right people. That will help you, that will encourage you, that will pray for you. That will hold up your hands in the midst of the battle so that you can have the victory together.